knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. My name is Rob Snow White, and this is my podcast about fly fishing education and lifestyle. This is episode 240 featuring Zane Lamprey. Adult beverages are ingrained in fly fishing culture and lifestyle, and Zane is my adult beverage drinking hero. He's also a great storyteller. And due to my buddy Patrick wearing one of Zane's t-shirts featuring Pleplius at the pool one night, I decided to reach out to Zane for a chat. You may want to skip this one if you have young ears listening. Zane is a world traveler, booze connoisseur, and an occasional angler. I want you to take out a pen and paper or maybe something on your phone to jot notes down with. What do you think a raw onion is used on the other side of the world for as a hangover cure? Write it down. You're going to check to see if you're correct later on. And in this episode, we're going to hear about some of Zane's travels, hangover cures, which may or may not be legal depending on where you live, fly fishing in Montana, and a scary night of camping in Arizona. You can find more about Zane from his Instagram, Zane Lamprey. All right, so uh, I'm going to start first here. We have Zane Lamprey. Zane, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, Zane Lamprey. Here we go. <laughs> Fantastic. And where are you today? Uh, at home in uh, Los Angeles. All right, and you having a drink too? So you've got meetings afterwards. I have to smoke a turkey and make a sweet potato gratin. So I'm going to have a shot of whiskey for you now. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, yeah, please. Actually, I think I, I think I probably would have had two, to be honest with you. <sighs> I feel good. <laughs> All right. So, Zane, we're going to go over some uh, about you and some fishing, and then you've got a, a story about some natural disasters. But sure, you might have the fishiest name of anybody I've interviewed, and it actually dates back to the origin of 
to fish. Do you know the origin of my name? I, I, because because I don't. If you if you did, I I was gonna be really impressed. I, I listened to the podcast. No, I know, but the origin. Oh, of my name. no. I mean, I mean, I didn't I didn't know you listened to the podcast. I appreciate that. Yeah. But the the um, the origin. Uh, I guess the long story is is I was always told that Lamprey, my last name. My brother says Lamprey. I say Lamprey. I think he says it phonetically because for some reason everyone always calls us Lamprey. It's the weirdest thing. Anyway, so uh, I was always told that we were like, it was French because Lamprey, Lamprey, whatever. And I was shooting an episode of Three Sheets in Wales, one of the first episodes I ever shot. And um, I was uh, our fixer, who's like our, our tra- we didn't need a translator, but usually they're a translator. They, they get the locations all set. They get all of your, you know, everything just everything like, dialed in for you, your hotels, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was a uh, a professor of Welsh history and was impressed that I was Welsh. And I was like, no, I'm not Welsh. He's like, no, the name Lamprey, that's a Welsh name. That's like, and if, of course, this is, you know, I, I go back home and look at my Facebook and just Google Lamprey, which I'd never done before. And most of these, the Lampreys are actually from Wales. But, and that, and that would be great because it's kind of a nice name, you know, whatever. It's a little different. But uh, it's a horrific organism. Exactly. Then someone has to go along and discover this this eel that attaches himself to the side of of fish and uh, sucks out their internal their blood and their internal organs and then leaves them to die and then moves on to another fish. And so someone's like, hey, I discovered this amazing fish. Uh, I'm going to name him after me and ruin the name Lamprey for the rest of their lives. (laughs) And then. We just think Ellis Island gave us the name Snow White. It was in the 1890s. I never can comment on someone else's last name. Dude, Snow White is such an awesome name. Yeah. I, if you want, I will trade you. We could do that. My wife didn't take Snow White, so uh, she <laughs> might not take Lamprey. <laughs> she would probably join it's us because my, she's my, right now. My wife, my uh, wife reluctantly took Lamprey. So, um, because, my wife because also of, a twin. Of what it is? <laughs> oh, oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think my twin took the name of, of hers, but anyway, we're lucky. Um, but what's, what's funny is when I was in um, Portugal, they have these, you know, where we have like the Shriners and the and the Rotary and stuff like that. Right. The Lions Club. They have these gastronomic societies and they're all built around a specific food. A little strange, but so the one that I went to was the... Um, uh, I went to a few. One was tripe, um, which is like the stomach lining of sheep uh-huh. or the intestinal lining. The other one was the Lamprey Gastronomic Society, and they gave me like a a medallion, like like an Olympic medal to wear around my neck that they all wear with their robes when they meet. Again, I never figured out what they do when they meet. And then in that same episode, I went and then had Lamprey, that the way that they prepare it and how they prepare it is pretty pretty horrific to be honest with you even for something that's just a such a mean mean animal i mean mean or whatever um they they basically uh heat up a pan really hot they 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 hold the lamprey um by you know actually they have it suck onto their hand and then they and, and by the way the size of this lamprey was about the size of a baseball bat and they slice it from head to tail and it and they use its blood the blood fills the pan and then they throw the lamprey in the pan and cook it like that. 
pretty 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 mean stuff but and then i tasted it and um it was one of the rare times that it actually threw up in the show wow and it was and and, the, and what's interesting is because it was just so much blood i don't know i don't know the reason but like it was just i, I ate it it tastes like blood and then at the end um, I threw up, which is just weird. I never throw up. I don't have any like food issues, but this one just did not because of, because it was cannibalistic. That's yeah, probably so why. Tyrion Tyrion Lannister was a big fan of lamprey pie. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, I wish I wish there was a I wish there was a photo of him eating it or something or a photo of the lamprey so I could frame it somewhere. Yeah, but, it just yeah. looked like a chicken pot pie. I don't. Know. Yeah. Um, so if you were to jump in an elevator. With some stranger on the ass. So what is it you do? What would you tell them? So interestingly enough, those conversations have never happened on on elevators, but they have happened on a lot of flights, you know, where you just start to, hey, so what do you do and all that kind of stuff. And and the problem with explaining what I do is that it's so multi-leveled that it becomes a long conversation. And so now when I am asked on an airplane, I tell them that I'm an accountant, you know, it's <laughs> just like, you know, because I do my own. I do some of my own books. Not really. But uh, anyway, um, the, the answer of that, which could fill your entire episode is, um, you know, I started doing a show called. Well, let's see. I, I, I graduated from college, moved out. I had a degree in fine arts and in an undergraduate or a, a minor rather in um and in uh, in theater, and so I came out here to do acting, um, and then quickly realized that hosting was like a thing, and spent years years trying to get into you know trying to get a legitimate job, and one of the first real ones that I got was this show Three Sheets, and that took me around the world, um, and my objective was to basically learn about people and their cultural culture by drinking with them um whether it was going to a brewery or a winery or a distillery or just going to a local pub or going to someone's house or whatever it is like anything that was really unique beverage wise in the region is what we used to sort of get to know these people because people loosen up even after one drink sometimes too much after a few drinks but so anyway so that show went on for about four seasons um that network actually went off the air um Mark Cuban was a fan of the show, so then he had me do a show called Drinking Made Easy on his network, which was HDNet. So I did 51 episodes of, of Three Sheets. I ended up doing 61 episodes of Drinking Made Easy, which was all shot in the U.S., uh, maybe a few episodes in, in Canada, so we could call ourselves international. Um, then I uh, then that channel went off the air, became a live music channel. So then I... Um, I crowdfunded through Kickstarter a show called Chug, where I would travel around uh, around on a train uh, at some point in the show, so we could use the double entendre. And and then that was an international show, much like uh, Three Sheets. But one of the issues was I didn't want to get myself in any legal hot water with Three Sheets, so I I changed the format a little bit, and it just wasn't quite as fun. It was it was fine. It was a good show, but it wasn't just wasn't quite as fun as as the original. And so um, that ended up being uh, acquired by National Geographic Channel and then by Netflix. Uh, and then Three Sheets went on to Hulu. 
Then um, in, inside of that, I also did a show for Food Network called Half Fork Will Travel, a bunch of other other shows. And then uh, the most recent thing was I was contacted by Drink TV, which is a new a new platform. And they wanted to bring back three sheets. They couldn't get the rights to three sheets. So we did four sheets. But we did the same format as three sheets. And so it was a lot of fun. It was uh, well received. And so we're waiting on the nod to two uh, more seasons of that. That's awesome. And then, and then the other thing, which is sort of my bread and butter, is I, um, or rather my, my sort of my, my day-to-day, because those things come and they go, is that I launched a clothing brand back in like 2008. I just started doing T-shirts, you know, graphic design T-shirts that I would wear on three sheets and then sell those, and that went really well. And then I did more with Drinking Made Easy. And then I started to expand into sweatshirts and then i started to not be interested in making you know putting my logo on other people's crappy t-shirts and so i uh started a company actually then i did a crowdfunding for the adventure hoodie right. which raised two million dollars through uh, and crowdfunding through kickstarter and then indiegogo fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. And then that launched the Adventure brand. And so now we have Adventure ADV3, N-T-U-R-E, the first E is the three because we plant three trees with every purchase. And we are now about to launch our, um, so the company is doing really well. And then we are about to launch our, our ECTO division, which stands for Experiential Curated Transformative Outings. And it's basically our excursion division of adventure. So not only are we outfitting you for the adventure, we're also providing the adventure for you. So we're doing trips next year, like summiting Mount Kilimanjaro, um, the Amazon, Machu Picchu, hiking the Great Wall of China, like things, things like that. So we can take people along. And then I'm going to be um, shooting that for my Zane's World show on YouTube. And Zane's World is also the name of my podcast. See, it's, it's long. Yeah. And, and then I, I and we also cats. we also foster cats. So there are nine in oh the house. That God. just happens to be that happens to be the old gentleman right there. He's 16 and he's he's asking me to let him outside. But there's been a coyote around, so he's not doing it. And you've got a monstrous dog. So the only time that Seamus, our old cat, can go outside is when the dog is already outside. It's a fenced-in yard, but still sometimes the coyotes. And we're in the middle of Los Angeles, but believe it or not, we get coyotes that hop the fence and come to our yard. So, yeah, Bodie is an Irish wolfhound. He is about 170-something pounds. On his hind feet, he's probably about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, um, yeah, he's he looks like a like a person in a... Like a like a muppet, like a person in a muppet suit. Do you have a special car to transport him? Yeah, you know, an SUV. Okay. <laughs> I, I did put him in the back of my buddy's convertible the other day, which is amazing. Just getting him in there, it's just like like putting an old man in you know in the back of a convertible. Who's got more? Like, who's got more hair on their face, Steve or the dog? Steve has more hair on his face, 
But but Bodie the dog has more hair than literally any dog, any dog on the planet. It's it's just, and people are like, oh, is he hypoallergenic? Does he shed? No, he's not hypoallergenic. Yes, he does shed. And there's a Roomba that's pretty much like running full time in the house, picking up his hair. My goodness. Yeah, and then we have these um, rabbit. Uh, uh, air purifiers, which uh, do an amazing job of masking the fact that we have any pets in this house. People often come in and are surprised. Oh, you have a cat. I didn't know. Usually it smells like a cat. Like, we actually have nine cats. We have nine cats and we have a nine cats and a monster dog. So, so you, got, you can yeah. make two Voltrons. We could uh, yeah, how many go into a Voltron? Five? One, two, three, four, I think five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two Voltrons. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. One would be bigger. One would be bigger because one would have the dog in it. So one would be a bigger Voltron. Uh, I've got some drinking questions now. Yeah. What's the best hangover remedy? Um, it is either uh, Xanax or uh, weed. Okay. Historically speaking. Just because, I mean, like, I've gone out and, and tried everything. Um, in doing the shows that I've done, I've done, you know, somewhere around 150 episodes. And by the way, each one is about four days of shooting. So that's about 600 days of shooting. And we probably shoot two scenes in a day. So it's somewhere around a thousand, a thousand times that I've sat with a camera at a bar and, and drank with somebody. And, you know, sometimes those get a little loose. And sometimes the hangovers arrive. Um, and so for the shows, uh, at least for three sheets and four sheets, we did hangover cures. And we tried we tried everything. You know, like every, every place has theirs. I'll, I'll tell you what, the, we just went to Santorini. If people go to, by the way, drinktv.com, uh, they can watch uh, four sheets for free. The network is, is a ad-supported network. So you can go there and watch the show at drinktv.com. We went to Santorini, and we were told by some old guys that the hangover remedy is cutting a raw onion in half and putting it under your testicles <laughs> to rid yourself of your hangover. Did it, did, it, did it work? No, it did not work. Uh, you, you, just, you just stunk like raw onions for the rest of the day. It was pretty horrible. It was almost, it's almost like, come on, are you like literally like having a laugh at my expense? Like, no, the people really do that. I'm like, okay, oh that's why you stink. But yeah, but we've tr we've tried, you know, like, and, and I've actually dug into the science of it, too. Um, so the one thing is to sweat it out. Right. So go to the gym, run, you know, that kind of thing um, or to, uh, you know, to have spicy food. So you kind of sweat it out. And the problem is, is that one of the major uh, side effects of the uh, the symptoms of a hangover is the dehydration. And so if you are, are um, I'm, and I'm taking it back, I'm going to tell you what the ultimate cure is. Um, the, if, if you are, have, a, have a headache as part of your hangover, you are dehydrated. That's literally like the membrane in your brain that just needs, needs fluid. It's like the brain pulling away from your skull. Nice. And so um, if, you, if you go and you try to sweat it out or you eat spicy stuff or that kind of thing, then um, – you are going to dehydrate yourself even more and make it kind of worse. And at some point, the hangover is just going to work itself through. Food, and you know, again, one of the things you're getting from food is you're just getting uh, your body is like now fighting some toxins. You're detoxing your body, so that food is going to help your stomach. 
Um, but the dehydration aspect and, uh, is basically um, the cure, and I'm taking back my other two because they actually don't really work that well, is an IV, an IV with vitamins. I was in, um, uh, I was in Miami with my wife, and we were at the Th South Beach Food and Wine Festival, and we had gone to this, like, uh, Guy Fieri party the night before, and it was just, it got a little loose, and I wasn't saying no to anything, and and so I just, you know, I, she's like, remember, you're, I had the next day off. And she said, remember, we're going to go and get Cuban sandwiches and mojitos. And, you know, and we're in the mor tomorrow morning, like you promised. I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And so I woke up the next morning and I was just in the roughest of shape, the roughest of shape. And so she's like, we got to go. And I was like, I, I can't. I just can't. She's like, just. So she scheduled a place in Miami. I forgot the name of it. And right there in South Beach where they would hook you up to an IV with vitamins and, you know, and like spa music and you'd sit there in a massage chair. And I was like, all right, I'm basically going to do, I'm going to go through the motions. It's not going to work. And then I'm going to go back to bed for the rest of the day. But 25 minutes in that chair with the IV, or maybe it was the spa music. Uh, I was literally starving and we went and got a Cuban sandwich and a mojito. It literally turned turned me around. My, my buddy, my buddy who's a doctor, is like, "Yeah, I kind of keep a few at the house for that reason," which you know, it, it in in the grand scheme of things, it's it's the only thing, and I've researched it thoroughly. It's the only thing that I've found that's worked. I need to open up some IV joints around college campuses. We, you know, they they by the way, one hundred percent. The 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 way that they work is you have to be like an. RN or a paramedic in, or, in order to be someone who administers that. Um, and I think because of that, those people, their hourly rate, you know, for the person who runs that is, is, is higher than a normal rate. Um, I don't think the cost of the, the IV is much at all. The vitamins, not much at all, but the place in my, in Miami was like a good deal. It was like 99 bucks and it was like, 129 with the extra vitamins there's places out here in la that like start at like 150 Ooh. maybe to like 200 and i'm like you know what i'll just watch tv and have mcdonald's for a few hours and just let it pass through my I, i'm 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 good you know what i mean like when it, when it starts to get that expensive and then there's one that'll come to your house and that's 300 bucks but what i think is crazy about that is like it's 300 bucks per person and let's say you have like a group of people and it's like, you know, there's five people and, you know, we went out and we're, you know, whatever. And and we all have hangovers. We could all use it like we're not going to spend fifteen hundred dollars to have this people, this guy come over. It should be like a price for the like it should be one fifty for the thing or one twenty for the thing. And then it should be like a, uh, you know, a delivery charge of uh, a home visit charge of like, you know. 200 bucks or 100 bucks per hour whatever it is so that if you have a bigger group it's more appealing to the big group and then everyone makes money but they just haven't gotten those that pricing down but like honestly like what what city do you live in we're just outside of dc dc well yeah you got some drinkers there yeah. <laughs> that would work <laughs> Pol politi politicians like to drink the lsu bar was the the drinking the shot off the back as gross as it looked so I'm gonna explain that because you did a you did a very classy job of, of summing up whatever did what happened. Tastes there. like onions. It was <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I can safely say that I have no idea what it tastes like, and thankfully Steve, who was my 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 
drinking buddy, my co-host in that, in that in, in Drinking Made Easy, he doesn't know either. So what this is called, this is a place called Fred's in uh, Baton Rouge, LSU. And it's a, a, it is the epitome of a, of, a, of a Bruja college bar, you know, experience. They do something called the Cracky Sack. And, I, and it's, it's almost, embar- the fact that they do this is one thing. And just explaining it is embarrassing. So what they do is, it's called the Cracky Sack. So you and your buddy, or whatever it is, out of some sort of rite of passage, one of you gets on the, on the, on the, the bar, shirt off, Pants down to the ankles, and I mean like pants and underwear down to the ankles, but facing you know the the crowd, and the the person on the bar is handed a shot of like, and I think they well they, they use whiskey. I won't I won't even say the name of the of the of the brand that they use because I feel bad to be associated with this. So they take this famous American whiskey, maybe the most famous <laughs> American whiskeys, and they. And the guy in the bar pours it down his, like, over his head. So takes it over his head and pours it on the back of his neck. So the whiskey goes down his back, through his butt crack, and drips off of his balls. And the, his buddy, or whoever is taking the shot, is sitting there to catch the whiskey in his glass. And when it fills up, that person does a shot. Is that just the most what? vile thing? And you think it? I know. It. Yeah, throw up a little bit. It's okay. And then, and then you. So then we ended up. We're like, come on, you do not really do that. Like, yeah. We're like, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it right now because they were they were pre-funking when we got there. They were they were they were they were pretty hammered, which is fine. It was it was fun, and um, we but we weren't. So we're like, what are we walking into? And so they did it. And and Steve was getting loose during the scene, and so he was the guy on the bar, and the guy in the scene, I think, or somebody else. You can watch it; it's Drinking Made Easy, and it's the Baton Rouge episode. The other guy took that shot from Steve's crack cracky sack. So, I mean, that is definitely the like you travel the world, and you know you think you're going to see some crazy things, and then you the craziest thing you find is is in is in is in louisiana maybe that does make sense and i want to tell you that the other thing that like so in santorini uh, along with the onion there's a place called two brothers bar uh again people can see this at drink tv like this um um i was so my wife and my and my my friend josh are the producers um of, of the show um and they go and they vet the location and they just say, they come back to me after the research and say, Hey, here's 10 places we think we should go. And we all have a discussion about it. And they pitch me Santorini. And I was like, Oh, that sounds great. Or whatever, you know, wine was invented there. They grow their wine in a coil on the ground. They don't have like steaks and, and, and vines like you normally do and other really cool things. And so, and then they kind of look at each other and they're like, and there's another place. I'm like, what is it? They're like, okay, so we don't know. We don't think you should necessarily go there, but you're going to want to until we tell you. That's why we didn't tell you till the end. But it's called Two Brothers, and there's something called the headshot. And you basically put on a helmet, you take a shot, and then the bartender hits you over the head with a baseball bat. And I was like, okay, I don't, as a person, I don't think I want to do that. But visually, because you're taking people on a visual experience in the show. I was like, this is something that we 
have to do. I don't want to do it, but we have to do it. And when we ended up doing it, the guy, the owner did it, and he hit me like, think, like so, so lightly on the head. I'm like, no, that's not going to cut it. And the bartender's like, I'll do it. I'm like, all right, fine. So my back was to the bar, face to the camera. I, I took the shot. And literally, like, you want to take the shot, put it down, and, and like, and then boom. It was like just as I put the shot up and swallowed, the guy was standing on the bar, standing on the well of the bar, like, so he had some leverage, and he was a bigger guy, and he just cracked me. It wasn't a baseball bat, but it was a very thick dowling that was about the width, thicker than a broom handle. And he hit me so hard that I, ba- I, I, I not acting, I collapsed. Like, I lost my, my legs, and I just sort of went Ooh. down. So, you know, it's good TV, and did I get a concussion? I don't know. But it's one of those things that you you know at your job or you know my job as a as a host of a show is that I have to give the best performance that I can, and that often means me suffering a little bit for whatever reason. If I and if I don't, if if nothing's remarkable in the show, if every show doesn't have that moment of like, did you see the show last night? Did you can you believe that he did this? If it doesn't have that, it's just not worth watching. Right. So like spilling a drink on Frank Sinatra's daughter. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tacovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tacovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Like Steve, and it's so crazy. So that was Drinking Meat Easy, L.A. We got invited from, um, shit, it wasn't Nancy Sinatra. It was Tina, Tina Sinatra. And daughter of, of, of Frank went to his old, this this old like restaurant that he used to go to and the maitre d was still the maitre d from when frank was there the guy was looked young but he was maybe in his 60s and i think he was there in his when he was in his 20s or whatever you know he drove frank home one day because frank was too drunk and brought him home in his and uh drove frank home in frank's cadillac and frank's like keep it it's yours and the guy's like no i'm not keeping your cadillac and and so you know it's all these stories that like tina and the maitre d' were telling us about Frank. And and that's it's funny that you you, you, you did a very good job of transitioning in because if the, you're right, if things aren't remarkable, then they won't be memorable. If we just sit down and talk about Frank Sinatra and have a respectful drink, it's just like, eh, it was cool, but it, it's not like you're drinking with Frank, you know? So Steve's like, finished his wine because they had Sinatra, uh, Sinatra wine like some Sinatra, Sinatra Estates wine and so 
we were all sipping on wine. Again, I was trying to be respectful. Steve just drank his while everyone was telling stories. And he was like, going to pour himself some more. But so I think he didn't seem like he was going too fast. He was like offering to pour for everyone else. And he went to, you know, me. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And got to Tina. And she's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, no, take a little. And I, I, I think this is how it happened. You can watch it in the show because it's there. I think this is how, how it happened. And then, and then she said no. And then somehow in that, he ended up spilling her glass of wine. I don't remember if it was on the table or on her or whatever. And I was just like embarrassed. My wife, the producer, she was just completely mortified. And then yet what you get is an uncomfortable situation, but yet you walk away and you have an interesting story that you can tell forever. And it's so that's just one of those things like you know, that saying it's like no good story ever came from eating a salad. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like that's just the thing about having a drink and especially having a drink with Steve. You can just be guaranteed that something's going to go wrong with all this traveling. You've been fishing in a couple episodes. How, do, yeah. you, do you fish when you're traveling or is it just not enough in the schedule? I wish that I had time to fish my first the first time I think I did like actual fishing in the show was when we were on in Montana, but we just got some waders and we just got some rods and we went out there and we didn't know what we were doing and just went out there just to, just as like B roll. I mean, we no, that's not true. We, we, we were trying to catch a fish because we did a competition at the end of every show. And then Steve, we just did a competition between Steve and, and myself to see who could just catch a fish first and eh, we didn't know what we were doing, so it just didn't work out. But then I was contacted by, um, shit, I want to say Men's Health, but that is it Men's Health or Men's Fit? Yeah, Men's Health. I think Men's Health. Okay, sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. I, I don't want to say the wrong one, but it was a few years ago, and they were working with the Montana Board of Tourism, and so they wanted to shoot um, some uh, four uh short episodes i mean like two minutes of me going and doing something in montana and then going to a brewery afterwards so that they can show that montana has fun things to do and then they also have you know fun breweries to go and have a drink out afterwards so we went to each like part of you know four of the major cities of, of montana and so one of the things that they did was they had um i wish i could remember where where it is and i'll give you this this photograph if you want to use it we basically started up the river and then got in a in a boat and worked our way down several miles down the, the river at this wonderfully leisurely pace and with an expert guide. And when we came to a place that he was he knew of as a good fishing hole, we would stop. We would either get out of the boat or stay in the boat or whatever it would be. And and he just taught me how to fly fish. And it was like it was just awesome. And what was crazy about it is that they the pace of which they shot this this show that they were doing was like all we had to do all day was go and fly fish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pretty awesome. Yeah. And then and then after after that, like maybe at four or five, we went to a brewery and then sat and had a beer with the guy. And it's crazy because I was like, what are you guys looking for? Whatever. And like, so I'm trying to help them produce a little bit, just make the show the best that it can be. I also in that show, I did went to four breweries, but I also did rock climbing, mountain biking, 
and I think there were four, so I think there was something else, but I don't remember what it was. But when they finally sent those those shows to me, the episodes, I, I didn't even, there wasn't even any talking. Like, I thought you wanted me because I'm like a comedian and I can sort of make fun situations and, and I thought there was great footage and whatever. Those things were like a minute and 30 seconds. It was just so fast. You're just like, wow, I don't understand why you would make them so short. I guess that's, they thought that the, the algorithms of, of where they were posting them on Facebook would make sense. But it was just a shame because we went out there and shot for like five days, five days to make several minutes. And then my wife, we were already out there. So my wife and I were like, all right, we're going to we're going to stay here and and go to Yellowstone and Grand Teton for another five days. But the fishing was really the highlight of of that whole Montana trip because it was just like, I don't know, it was it was very like it was I I guess at some point I would equate it to like golf. It's leisurely. You're in nature and that kind of thing. But when you're fishing, you're just more connected. And I'm, I'm a huge, you know, environmentalist, animal lover. And, and I, I do anything I can do to, like, be outside. I live in Los Angeles and I take every single opportunity to leave L.A. when I can. Like You're always I'm, in Yosemite. You got to be fishing you, that Merced River like Oprah. No, I should. She fished it. Did she catch anything? No, there was no water that summer. They filmed. Oh. Well, what, what's that? What happens when there's no river? I mean, I'm sorry, no water. Obviously, there's a river. There's, they get it's eaten like, by like it, raccoons it, and animals. They just find them in little holes where they all just uh, get schooled up, and then yeah, they're just easy pickings. Pick them up and move them. Okay, but how do they? Um, like, so now Yosemite is the Merced is running running awesome. How is does that now have fish in it? Is, is it because they stock? I have to go back to the fly fisherman article by mickey Ware that he just wrote recently uh they probably headwaters the eggs can tumble down then there's always the stories about birds dropping eggs from fish when they go from body water to body water oh wow i don't know we were just talking about that with my clients yesterday but no one knows if that's true but you can dig a hole in a field and fill it with spring water and in a year there'll be fish i've always wondered about that always wondered about that and i know that like sometimes they're but like like for example, like a glacial lake. You're like how how Dumped are the airplane. fish there? Yeah, these well, airplanes. Really? Yeah, there's you can watch video of the 1960s of just dropping buckets out of little propeller planes over high mountain Sierra lakes. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's amazing how us as a population have just taken nature to and to 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 our control. Yeah. I mean, I I think the you know the the uh, I just, I just, I just think about like you know, like when there's the the uh, the the species, uh, the naturally natural species of the area are being repopulated. I think it's great, but like just back in the day, people didn't know what the hell they were doing. You know, bringing different animals, yeah. different parts, and that the entire balance was was thrown off. But let's, let's put rabbits um, in Australia where there've never been rabbits, uh, and then cats, and and there's- then. And then too many mice, and then now there's cats, and now there's too many cats and too many mice, and they nothing to eat them. And then, then there's the cane toad, which was eating the grubs. They, they you know, the cane toad one. It, like, so it's basically in Africa when they're growing their sugar cane, they don't have a uh, a grub issue because they have the cane toads. So like, the geniuses are just like, all right, and the, and the Caribbean, they're like, we're gonna get cane toads because we have grub issues. They got the cane toads, and like this is amazing. There's no grubs. The, the harvest is so much better, and all this kind of stuff. And then so Hawaii was like, "What worked? The cane toads? All right, we'll do the cane toads too. We'll take some." And so they did it, 
And then the Caribbean is like, oops, hold on a second. Uh, there's not, there's no natural predator to the cane toad. They're poisonous, the, right? And, and they're poisonous to eat. So yeah, anything that eats it dies. dies. Yeah, exactly. So then Hawaii is like, wait, what? No, we already did it. Oh, shit, what? <laughs> Just like, it's, and so now there's like huge cane toad problems anywhere that they grew sugarcane. And anyway, it's just this it's just this whole big this whole big mess that's been created by us. But look, I I think I love to fish. I love just being out there. I like the great thing about fishing is it just gives you a reason sometimes just to go out there and connect with yourself, connect with nature, maybe connect with a friend. It's like one of those things about like, you know, the going in. It's like for me having people on my podcast, it's like there's somebody I'm a fan of. I'm going to have that person on my, on my podcast because what else am I going to do? If I didn't have a podcast, what would I be like? Hey, you want to go get a drink? It's just, I don't know you. I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but they come and have a podcast and afterwards they're like, Hey, let's go get a drink. I but fin- it's like, I fished with my brother for the first time in about 20 years today. It was awesome. Today, he, he today caught, you Where'd you fish? Where'd you fish today? The, the local lake we grew up on out in Reston, Virginia. Okay. I had his, they all just took turns in the drift boat. Oh, it that's fun. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. My nephew's going into, uh, freshman year of high school on Monday. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's huge. <laughs> um, so speaking of nature, I know you're pressed for time. You were in a pretty crazy environmental yes. flood what, yeah, last year. Right. Yeah, Do you leave us with way. that story? Yeah, I will leave you with that. It's great. So I, I went into um, Havasu. So not Lake Havasu, but Havasu Pie Indian Reservation. If anyone is listening, Google Havasu Falls. And then you'll just be like, what? Either you know it or, or, you'll, or you'll never forget it when you see a picture of this place. It's on a, 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 a reservation in Arizona um, in, in a part of the Grand Canyon. There's a lottery uh, basically like on February 6th or something like that to like you have to go and go online at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. And like and then try to get, you know, online, try to get um, passes to a certain weekend and you plan your whole summer around it. And then they sell out like within the first few hours. And so we went in with it with the group. There was four of us and we hiked in. It was about a 12 mile hike. It was. And so, you you know, you leave around 4 a.m., you know, 3.30, 4 a.m. Because you don't want to be hiking. It's in the middle of summer. You don't want to be hiking in the in the in the desert. It's to like it's like to like 120. You can't be hiking in, in direct sun for 12 miles like that. So. You leave around three, and then you get there around like eight, eight or nine. Um, and so one of one of the people in our party, I won't say her name because it's Erica. She was wearing like sneakers, so she was kind of like slower than the rest of us who were dressed with proper footwear uh, and bags. And so we um, uh, we had a um, uh, sorry, my wife just trying to hand me something. Uh, sorry. So uh, the uh, oh yeah, so we hiked in. We got there about nine. It was a pristine day. We went and the camp. So when you get in, you're between two walls of of a canyon. They're a thousand foot and the river, there's a waterfall and then like a river that runs through it, which is crystal clear blue, in fact. And then there's another waterfall at the end. So we we the, the one bigger side had too many people in it. So we ended up going um uh, to the uh, just crossing the river, which is up to our knees, and then went and set up our, our tents and stuff over there, had some food, and then went back to the waterfalls to play and stuff like that. 
So we get back to our campsite like, like around 4.30. We have some food. And then, again, it's just a, a perfect day. We're all – and we, we have some dinner. It's like 5.30 or 6. And we just like – it starts to rain a little bit. We're like, all right, so let's just get in our tents. And, and, and then it starts to rain a little harder. So we kind of go out and just grab a few things that we don't want to get wet. We're in our tents. And we're all sort of like, uh, you know, 20 feet apart from each other. And then it just – keeps coming harder and harder and harder like really hard rain and 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 now my wife's like you know sitting on the on the in the tent and she's like look there's all this water running underneath our tent it feels like a like a like a waterbed and then it's pooling in the corner i was like what's going on and i ripped the you know unzip trying to make it sound dramatic i rip open the door and i look outside and there's water coming down the canyon walls from everywhere and i get out and i'm like holy shit like this is this is really coming down and the and the river has already risen like two feet um and it's maybe another two feet it's going to be at our tents and i was like okay i kind of go over to my buddy's tent i'm like hey things are looking pretty messed up he's like well it'll probably pass and i'm standing out there and and it's and all of a sudden the um the debris field from the front of like when there's a flash flood the debris field is that first thing that comes down it comes down and behind it the water is now at the height of our tents so now i'm like screaming to everyone in our group the three couples and then i'm running along to other groups and like banging on their tents and i'm screaming as loud as i can for the entire campsite of hundreds of people only a handful of those people could hear me because it's raining so hard and whatever i'm like telling everyone get out of your tents flash flood i'm yelling it and and it, people are now like getting out of their tents and they're just like holy cow so on the other side it was lower that all of their tents washed away our tents ended up washing away we climbed to higher ground there was another and then we we, we dragged like one tent um and then helped another two families up and so sort of on this like higher ground but if it goes any higher there's nowhere for us to go because we're, we're up against the cliff and so at night there was another storm and the water gets even higher and you're and exposed so, the whole time cold wet we're, you know what's crazy it's like yeah it's in the dead of summer but we are shivering wet we don't have any anything to lay on to sleep you know which is like we don't have any dry clothes our tents got washed away we don't have anything wow. we just have a few of our bags but they're all soaking so there's nothing dry and whatever so the next morning um some of the the locals come down and they're yelling across the river there's another big storm coming we have to get out and we're like how we there's nowhere like the river you can't cross that river we would die and they said just go down further and find a place to, to cross that was it they were they didn't offer any other solution send in a helicopter nothing and so we went down the river uh and found a place where it was a it was it was so wide that we could actually go through as a group of probably at this point like 15 people all holding hands and you know catching each other when when someone slipped and then managed to get across and then and then at that point we got airlifted out which was pretty pretty amazing so you know it's funny at, at no point did i really feel like my life was in danger um because we could always climb a little higher but it was pretty scary and pretty exciting but you know life is a daring adventure or nothing at all and that's what that was yeah Whew. so it's cool people people if they want to see it they can sift through my uh my instagram and uh find find the video of that because i put it all together so like, including the, the helicopter part where can people find podcast monkey rum 
everything else. You know, just just go to uh, just go to my Instagram. That's the easiest place. Just go to it's Zane Lamprey. Just go there, and uh, there's links to the podcast and anything that I'm doing. I announce all my stuff there, so you can follow me on Instagram. You'll find everything that I'm doing that's that's cool. All right, and then you're going to go to a meeting drinking water now. Now I'm going to now I'm going to a meeting, but I'm going to have drinks later for sure. Okay. Just yeah. We're, we're debating. We have our Thanksgiving-themed party at the neighborhood pool tonight. I've got to go smoke a turkey and make a sweet potato gratin. It looks like we actually have our first rainy day in about two or three months. Embrace so it. I right? hope it blows pl- over tonight because I want to yeah. get my drink. I got clients at 8, though, so got to put my boat in at 7 to go pick them up. Well, rock and roll. I, yeah, I, you, I, I love what you do, and, and uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, and we'll – We'll catch up after my next major uh, uh, natural disaster. Yeah, and let me know if you're ever passing through here. We'll wet a line. Done deal, You'd for sure. You'd be surprised the urban fly fishing in D.C. I want to do it. I want to do it. All right. Give me <laughs> a high brother. five for me. You got it, brother. Thank right, you so cheers. much. Thanks cheers, so much. Rob. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. I'm Will Cooper host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. For Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.